This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. Welcome to Beyond the Bell Tower. We are here with Joelle Fuchs, and she is a soon-to-be graduate. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Yes, she will. There's no hoping about it. We'll make sure it happens, you know, regardless of anything. For sure. So many things. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into some of them, yeah. I think, today. So, Joelle has been in TRIO since her first semester, first year. Mm -hmm. So, that was four years ago. How many years ago was that? Um, August 2014. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, four years. Four years. Yeah. And, um... So we're going to be talking about a bunch of different things because in the past four years, Joelle has accomplished a tremendous amount. <laughs> and um, I really think it's important for everybody, one, for Joelle to talk about all that she's accomplished because it's important for all students to share everything that they've done and to be proud of it. Like mm -hmm. humbleness is not productive. Um and doesn't benefit you in any way. And so probably that's actually what this is an exercise in <laughs> yeah. is Joelle telling the truth <laughs> about everything that she's done, um, that she's not bragging, just telling the truth. <laughs> um, so there's a bunch of different things that have led to Joelle's success. And so we're going to talk about each of those things. Hopefully she'll share with us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's why she's here, right? And um, there's a couple of other interesting experiences that she's had, and so we're um, going to get into that right now. But where do you want to start, Joelle? Where are you from? Um, yeah, uh, so I grew up in Greensboro, and then I like lived there since like fourth grade. Before that, I lived in New York. Um, yeah, my family moved to North Carolina. Um, it was, it's weird because I was still really young, but, um, there was, like, an incident with our neighbors, and they sent us hate mail, and, like, kind of did a lot of things to our home, so we, like, packed up and left, um, and lived in, then I moved to Greensboro. I lived there until I came to college. Yeah. And then what are you majoring in? What are you doing here? So I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a bio major now. Um, I was always a bio major, but I, for like three years, three and a half years, I was um, a biological sciences major with a concentration um, in neurobiology. And then I switched last semester, maybe two semesters ago. Um, two. Yeah, to the BA in bio. Um, and I made my focus in my concentration, um, social and biological determinants of mental health. And it kind of gave me a more um, 
like interdisciplinary approach to assessing um, factors that influence people's mental health and what that looks like. And I kind of was able to tailor my education to my interests and not have to do all these extra bio classes that didn't really have a basis to me. Mm-hmm, <laughs> for mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a win-win. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Now that's an actual minor on the record. Is this? No, oh, it's all one major. Oh, yeah. So, but what's your minor? I don't have a minor. Yeah. Oh, your concentrate. So your concentration, you were able to choose yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So you have to pick like, um, you have to talk about, it's kind of like, I say concentration, but it's, it's kind of sort of like, what's your like second discipline? So it's a BA, but then there's a bunch of cross-discipline electives you take. Mm -hmm. And then those cross-discipline electives are supposed to be some area or some field that you want to merge with bio. But mine ended up being like sociology and psychology. So, yeah. And that's an actual field of study and research? Um, like, or are you an original? <laughs> Which you, you were always an it's, original. But. It's, it, uh, the work exists, but I yeah. think there's still kind of a lack of a merge between all of those fields. Yeah. Like, bio and social, kind of, that's not really. I haven't really seen that a lot. I mean, right. I, I've read a couple books, like textbooks um, yeah. on medical sociology, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've heard of like medical anthropology. Right, but right. I, yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that's really cool to know is that when you're choosing a major that because your career goal is to go on to do scientific research, you know, to earn a PhD and do scientific research that you can get a biology bachelor's of arts degree and do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have to have the bachelor's of science. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So why did that work best for you? Um, because, well, it was a bunch of different things. Like one, the major fit me perfectly, but it was still a new major. Like it's still a really new major. Um, but two, uh, I was (laughs) struggling with a lot (laughs) with my classes, um, which I know we'll probably talk about later, but I, withdrew two whole semesters and um so in terms of credits taken I should have graduated like a year ago but with me retroactively withdrawing um there's that whole year didn't count so um it's kind of me assessing what I wanted to study knowing I had multiple interests taking not taking time off but losing that whole year of work and then um trying to like like so basically everything all just kind of like happened to work out so after I... It worked out because you're extremely committed, compassionate, <laughs> and smart. Um, yeah, that too. That definitely played a part. <laughs> um, but I wanted it to be the neurobio major with a minor in psychology. And then um, after everything happened, I still had the psychology credits, but I wasn't done with the neurobio. And then I was able to switch it. And then all my psych credits counted towards my the BA major. And then I also could take other classes that tailored to like mental health. But we don't even really have mental health courses here. So I took like all of the mental health courses that we have. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think it's important is that finding the right major for like everything else that's going on in your life. Yeah. And but you still need to keep get, earning your degree. And so the major may have to alter a little bit. So that it can um, 
So I think it's like when people get, which I'm not sure if you went through this, but when you're like a sophomore and you're kind of stuck, like I have to have this bio, you know, bachelor's of science degree, or I can't do anything in my career path. Yeah, I I was like that, actually. Um, And also it was like the field itself, like, which is kind of bad, but I was, I was hesitant to switch out of neurobio because I was like, yeah, like it's neuroscience. But honestly, um, if you like look at the there was only one neurobio course here, so and I took it. So it's not even like I'm like I took what basically differentiated that course, like that specific discipline yeah. of yeah. neurobio, like of biology, from the other ones, yeah. um, like human bio and all those things. So honestly, at the end of the day, I think as you go on later in your college career, you just realize it's like it's not even that deep. Like, right? <laughs> it's just right. a degree. Like, which it's which is awesome. It's great that it's a degree, but. It's just a title. Like, it's not what you learn is more important, not what it is, if it's a Bachelor's of Arts or a Bachelor's of Science. Right. So let's go into, like, what you've learned, because you've done some amazing things while you've been here that happened even though you had to retroactively withdraw from two semesters. It happened even though you had to transfer um, majors. Yeah. So, um, so what was the first kind of um, career-related kind of engaging experience that you had that really impacted your life career? Um, so I, I took a course with Dr. Simpson. So uh, Dr. Jamila Simpson, who is an amazing, amazing, amazing person. If you don't know her, please get to know her. She is amazing. Um. I took her uh, freshman advancement seminar course when I was a freshman. So it's basically they have um, freshmen, like incoming freshmen who are uh, underrepresented um, in the College of Sciences are like enrolled into her course. And then these students take that course and it counts for your um, your USC credit. And in that course, uh, she kind of just exposes you to different topics in navigating your like uh it's sort of like skills but also life lessons about things that don't don't only apply to college but apply to your life um and understanding diversity and understanding things like that and then she also had like an alumni dinner and at that dinner is when i met jamal (laughs) who jamal moss is his story is on episode one yeah also also super amazing um, and he was neurobio and he talked about neurobio and I was like, oh my gosh, that's why I applied here. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And I talked to him at the dinner and, but he wasn't an alum yet. So he was still a student, but he talked about his experience in doing research. Um, because I think it was a segment of the dinner where students could talk about things that had helped them. And he talked about research and I was like, whoa, that's so cool. So somebody else at the dinner, um, came to Sierra, she was part of this program called the IMSD program and so as soon as I found that out and she was like oh applications are still open I applied and this is in like November maybe mm-hmm. so I was only like a couple months into college and I applied and I got in <laughs> yeah. um so December was when I officially got into IMSD which was um initiative for maximizing student um, diversity and development and it's a research initiative that sort it takes underrepresented students um, and exposes them to research and they get the opportunity to do research. And I've been doing that since. So for four years now, or three and a half years. Yeah. Um, And I've jumped 
So I originally started in psychology lab with Dr. Hess, and that was kind of on decision making and like aging. And it was really cool. And I was I was in it for a year, um, but I was still a bio major. And but I knew I was like the limited knowledge of research. I knew I was like bio is like lame. Like, I don't like it. Like, I don't want to do bio research. Like, I don't care about some protein, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I was super naive. Mm -hmm. And so I avoided doing bio research. I liked the psych aspect. Um, then later on, I was like, I couldn't really like apply the psych research to um, my interests, and so I went back to Dr. Um, Aaron Banks, who um, was the director of the program, and talked to her about switching labs. And then I ended up joining um, a lab with uh, Dr. Heather Patizal, um, who ended up being my mentor until now. She's still my PI, um, and in her lab, we do neurobehavior and. Um, uh, it's it's sort of like develop like brain development, um, doing environmental toxins and different things like that. Um, she is extremely well known in her field for the research that she does, and she's an awesome woman. Um, and I've enjoyed everything. So I I actually overlapped in both those labs for a whole summer, and then I ended up leaving the other lab when the next semester started. Um, and then I stayed in Dr. Patasol's lab, and then la- over the summer. I've, I'm still working with Dr. Padzal now, but then I also joined a lab with um, Dr. Alon Hope, um, another ex- extraordinary woman. Um, and in her lab, it's community psychology. And um, the projects I kind of worked on with, was with uh, families, and it's called the Black Families Project, and understanding relationships and different factors. Um, I was sort of like playing with data sets and understanding like how different factors might um play a role in the relationships that people build. So when you're doing like the different research, so was the bio research that you were doing, um, that you're still doing, was that as boring as you thought it was going to be? Like with oh proteins? And- <laughs> no, I lucked out. Oh my gosh. And Jamal was actually in that lab. So that was awesome too. Like we reunited. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not at all what I thought it would be. And it had uh there were like implications that like real implications that I could talk about and I understood. So it was kind of like a great, um, cause great... what was the study? So I started originally on this study called, um, it was about this drug given to women. It was called DES, um, in like the seventies. And it was basically this, it was a synthetic, um, estrogen. And during that time, like doctors were thinking, you know, estrogen's the hormone that we really need to give pregnant women. Um, to maintain pregnancy, which is not true. It's progesterone. <laughs> but um, because of this, a lot of women were prescribed yeah. it and it was on a lot of things. Um, like even if they weren't directly prescribed it, like a lot of women were like had taken it and then it ended up having all these like um, these like complications with these women. Um, two young girls ended up having this like this cancer that was like it's for one, it's a rare cancer. And two, yeah. you, you only really find it in older women. Yeah. So these two really young girls are like in their twenties, like ended yeah. up getting it. Who were pregnant? Uh, or no, who had given birth. No, their mothers had taken DES. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was like this. It was like some really strange thing happened, and then like all these reports coming out. These two girls had it, and then they the doctors had to like trace their medical history, and it, they found that their mothers were given that drug. Yeah. And so like then there became this whole thing. Like everyone was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, <laughs> yeah, it's dangerous and it's the mm-hmm. wrong thing. So. um we we looked I looked at that for a little bit on um like in rats on behavior mm-hmm. and then after that I joined a project on um, BPA and understanding how it might alter like their sexual dimorphic 
like the sexual differences in the brain um in rat brains so bpa um it's estrogenic in structure and so it was cool to study this because we wanted to see we want to see if there was an effect in um sort of like brain anatomy so one way to do this would be you know there are certain areas of the brain that are sexually dimorphic so um uh let me think of an example Sexually dimorphic nucleus is bigger than male in males than female rats. Um, we ended up publishing a paper on it um, and talking about these effects. But there were effects, but um, you should definitely check out my paper. So how did that publishing go? You know, like, were you third author, fourth author mentioned in yeah. the notes? Like, how does that work for undergraduate researchers? Right. So I was lucky enough that I was put on the publication, but um, <laughs> I was second author. And, Which um, is a huge deal. <laughs> I was second like author, and there was a um, a PhD student who I was working with, who also uh, Dr. Cheryl Arambula, who yeah, she's a doctor now, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I worked under her my whole time. Mm-hmm. I was in Dr. Patasal's lab, um, and so a lot of the stuff I've learned, I kind of learned through her, which I'm super grateful for. But she did like most of the work, like she did mm-hmm. most of the writing and everything. Mm-hmm. Basically, like kind of all the writing, and then I, I'm second author because it was our, it was like our project together. So mm-hmm. I did a lot, um, although I might not have helped as much in the writing, um, for her to defend and everything. I like it was a joint process in terms of the research that we were doing on like um, the stereology on these different brain areas and like measuring everything and the data analysis and all that stuff. Now, had you done any of this before coming to NC State? <laughs> no, this right. is my first time. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like, you don't have to walk into a lab knowing what to do. Oh, yeah. Like, did they even expect you to know what to do? Not at all. Um, yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> um, we we both struggled a little bit on some of these areas. Um, it's all new. It's kind of like you learn on the go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, what do, for a student who's trying to get undergrad research right now, like, how do they sell themselves? Like, what do they, what is, like, kind of, like, was like, every trio student possess that the skills to make them successful, even if they don't, you know, haven't done, measured, you know, the nucleuses of rat <laughs> brains? <laughs> um, so, I think I kind of sold myself. So, one of my, the things that I usually used to describe myself is passionate um and i'm i know i'm not the brightest student like <laughs> which, <clears throat> <laughs> well, there's always gonna be somebody smarter right I mean, um i pride myself on like my willingness to learn so i will always like push my like i always feel unprepared so i will like try to over prepare that's always how i've approached situations so i'm always willing to learn because i know that i don't know a lot mm-hmm. no that's a sign of intelligence <laughs> no i'm that's serious it's because if you don't know like if you think you know everything then your world is very small yeah that is true because i mean the example is the doctors in the 70s they had no idea yeah what they were doing yeah. And it wasn't because they were, you know, weren't intelligent. It's just there's we know way less than there is to know. And see, that's the thing, too, is like you never would have gone out searching for that type of research. Right. But you connected with one professor who then connected you with a doctoral student. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
then where did that research lead you to doing your own? Like, oh, did yeah. You, yeah. I mean, because that's the thing is like, you were exposed to it. You had no idea yeah, about no idea. it. <laughs> yeah. And so then that, what has that experience led you to your next research project? Um, so after I worked with Dr. Pat, so last summer I went to Hopkins and John Hopkins University, <laughs> and which is ranked, I think it is, I think it is one. It was in the School of Public Health. Um, so it's ranked in the top. Yeah, it's ten. It's, it, it's either the number one or number two yeah. for School of Public oh, okay. Health. Look at that, <laughs> number one in the nation for public health. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, and I worked under um. Dr. Joseph Bressler, and I did something, like, research I would have never thought I would have done. Um, so how did you find that opportunity? So somebody in IMSD, yeah. um, her name was Jakini, uh, she had done the internship a year before, and I heard about it, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. And she ended up, like, switching what she wanted her major to be after she came back. Yeah. And I kind of knew I wanted that experience, because we had similar interests. Um, so she was bio, and then she, like, uh, she kind of wanted to switch. Like, she was, like, bio-psych-minded, too. And then she ended up, like, wanting to go into counseling. And so she's now at, um, I want to say A&T doing counseling. Right. Yeah. But so now Joelle is going to pass the torch, just like Janini did. Which I did, friend. yeah. Yes, who did you recommend? Um. So I was talking to a student named, his name is Nick. And he was, like, so I was connected to him. Uh, through uh, Mr. Wesley Wade the uh, with the CDC. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I have a student um, who wants to do this internship, and I think you did this internship, so just let you know. He wanted to get some pointers. I gave him the pointers, and mm -hmm. then I ended up visiting uh, our program director at Hopkins. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, like, talking, 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 and then she was, like, saying people got who got accepted, and she was like, oh, yeah, that guy got accepted. I was like, oh, my God, I told him. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you all need to make efforts to meet Joelle. I will give you her contact information. I am always willing to talk to anybody interested in research. Always. I highly recommend it. Um, even if you don't think you want it. Like, I think a lot of people have the wrong impression about research. They think that it's like the super big thing that you can't do. But it looks like so many. It, it looks different. It's not it's not just one thing. It's right. a lot of different things. Right. So even going back to the research that you were doing in community psychology yeah. right, regarding African-American families. Yeah. So what would that research look like? So you're obviously not. Yeah. It's measuring a lot of brains. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the lab running uh, like analyses. So I mean, that's honestly what it is. Or like it, the surveys were collected online. But, you know, in that lab, we can go out and collect surveys. You you interact with people. That's definitely not rat brains at all. Um, <laughs> so that's more kind of finding um, relationships. Find, yeah. Yeah. Definitely like working on skills that I still struggle with. Like my statistics is very rough. <laughs> I haven't taken that since freshman year. Um, but like I said, you kind of learn on the go. Um, and I've really enjoyed that research with Dr. Uh -huh. Hope. Um, I love it. Like I love it yeah. so much. Yeah. What are what have what have you all found so far? Um, so I kind of did my own thing where I looked at um, at at this past summer research symposium. I presented on um, 
just like different findings, but it, it's still really early to tell. Like yeah. there are a lot of, it's like a lot of preliminary stuff. And mm-hmm. I didn't even run the correct, like I ran the correct statistics, but it was like bivariate correlation correlations when you need to do a bunch of regressions for stuff. Like I didn't control for things. Um, oh, okay. But, yeah. But it was more for like me to get the experience with right. the statistics. Um, right. But were there any kind of general findings that, um, you like agreed with? You were like, yeah, that's, that makes sense. Or did something shock you? Um, yeah, like I, so it was just like understanding, um, like my, it was focused on like sort of these, uh, racialized genders, like socialization question, like messages that we give. And then I also was interested in like, uh, mindsets of parents. So I found that, um, parents who had um like a negative mindset so, or, or not negative more fixed so kind of like people don't change like things don't change um we're more likely to give their um they're more they're more likely to give negative uh, of those messages like mm-hmm. negative messages about race negative messages about race and gender mm-hmm. um and then also just kind like, of like all women are like this or yeah or like worlds yeah go ahead yeah sorry. stuff like that uh, stuff about skin like so like um light skin is prettier and like natural hair is ugly um uh yeah, yeah. like black women are as mad that type of thing yeah, mm-hmm. yeah um so th- they were more likely to give those messages to their um kids and then also just like understanding the relationship between the mindsets that parents have uh, and the influence of what that how that influences the mindsets mm-hmm. of their children mm-hmm. um but it that's the thing though is like where you do have a personal connection to that research. Oh yeah. I mean you haven't shared your identity like but what's your personal connection to that research and like your, even the impact of those questions. Yeah. Um, on you. So I, I wanted to look at uh uh like depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So my personal research interests are uh kind of these social constructs and how that influences things like mental health um, and how people kind of like moved through the world with these mm-hmm. uh, stressors in their life um, and what that looks like. And if that kind of inhibits and uh, prohibits them to engage in certain things that they would have, if they could have. And then also understanding that um, there's still need, like, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in that whole realm. And so um I was actually just talking to Dr. Lubisher today about mm-hmm. my uh, capstone paper, which mm-hmm. will be on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just kind of like assessing that, which I'm still trying to figure out how to assess that. But that's what I'm really, really interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you also did some amazing work with the alternative service break. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so I went to the trip in Guatemala. Um two years in a row. The first year I was just a participant. Um, and then the second year I ended up co-leading, um, with one of my old roommates who went on the trip with me the year before. Um, and it was, it was focused on gender issues and understanding how women have kind of made it like created a space for themselves and like picked themselves up from after their, their war that had like, not like I say recent, but it was still fairly recently just ended and how like, you know, they've, the resilience of these women. Um, and it's kind of weird because it was kind of hard to explain their service trip um, to people because other people were like, yeah, like we went and we like built homes. And yeah. I was like, like we gave a, these women like a platform to talk about their experiences. Um, right. And I think that's service in itself, but it's, um, which it, it like it qualified as a trip, like it was a trip. Yeah. Um, but I just think 
that kind of shows like you can serve in different ways Mm -hmm. um and understanding that um but i loved that trip yeah um those women were extremely powerful um yeah yeah so why do you think somebody because how did you pay for it because it's expensive yeah it is expensive um i know like money deters a lot of people from trying things yeah i had to apply for uh like one of the travel grants um and luckily i got it and then the second year when i was a leader um they like cover some of your trip and then you have to like come up with the money for the rest of it but um yeah so you're able to save up money yeah i had a difference or i had to save up a lot of money to do that (laughs) yeah Um, uh it was like i was willing to do this like not that i wasn't willing the first time but the first Mm -hmm. time i didn't know what i was getting into and then the second time i was willing to save the money like i knew i wanted to do it um so i had saved like knowing i had already applied to be a right later on right but that was still like a lot like (laughs) it is kind of an expensive trip it's not too expensive like it's cheaper than you would think but it's still a lot of money for someone who just does not have money like that right um so when you look at um you know if you just look at financial aid legally right like as law you know and then you look at like just how the paperwork is set up and the questions Mm -hmm. and the format that you have to send it in and the the um all the the opportunities for it to go wrong and then them emailing you back saying we just needed we need you to send in some additional stuff (laughs) yeah yeah and then that additional stuff takes forever four months yeah yeah and then you're trying to do it with the taxes from your parents who were in two hours away right (laughs) yeah and trying to explain to them like how it needs to be done but then it's like third hand you know it's like yeah it's financial aid said you need to do that you know yeah it's uh so many uh it's just a lot like i just feel like i feel like it's created like that by design honestly like it's there's supposed to just be so many barriers like but I think it, there's also, it goes both ways. Like, there's a problem with that, but then there's also a problem with, like, uh, institutions, like, not understanding that there are students who frequent, like, frequently are dealing with things like this and, right. like, can't do certain things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then also having to even say, like, the fact that you even have to, like, justify, like, you have to, com- com- like, constantly justify your case with your situation. Like, you shouldn't have to give out so much personal information and like so much of your personal struggle just because it's like oh well i didn't know that so like now i will make it easy like not that they would make it easier or like harder but it's just yeah. like why is it that i have to like continue to like, explain the problems that i'm having and like having to constantly like leave myself vulnerable for people to know all this stuff um because like yeah it's just like hard and i think that's hard for like it's hard it's really hard for me to do that um it's hard. <laughs> really hard. Yeah. I get, no, I can't even. Yeah. Because do you sense like, well, what do you, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you're in the thick of it right now and you're upset. Your knee's shaking. Yeah. I've honestly, I've been on you're... edge like all day. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. Don't apologize. I'm just letting people know like, yeah, this is like, I don't there is no word like it's not even just difficult yeah I mean difficult is like there are things that are difficult and then there's trying to get fi- access to your financial aid 
that you <gasps> depend upon to live. Yeah, because I don't. That's like the only reason I even came here. Uh, I got offered that uh, pack promise, and I was like, "All right, cool," because I know for a fact, like, if I didn't get this, I probably wouldn't be in college. Um, mm-hmm. And so to be in my last semester, and to not all of the money that I've like learned the financial literacy, and so I've saved money. And then now to have spent all of that on my tuition because I'm not offered the aid that I was told I would get. Not that it's like the school's fault. Yeah. It's with the IRS, but it's just like, it kind of sucks. And then like now my like savings is gone um, and I'm about to leave. So like that was the money I was going to use after I graduated to like, act, like live. <laughs> um, and like feeling like I can't not work. So this was supposed to be a, a relaxed semester. Um, I wasn't going to have to work because my aid would have, like, I finally was in a position where um, I didn't need to have to work while also getting the aid. Like, um, yeah. And then I got in a car accident. Um, I don't even know if you knew that. No. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So they're fixing my car and it's $3,300. And I don't really know how that's going to go. I'm hoping that and his uh, the guy's insurance will cover it, but who knows? Oh, so it was another person's fault. Yeah, it was you like a it was so like or... a weird yeah. yeah. I was driving and then he opened the door while I was like going down the like so it just yeah. like it all happened at once. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen. And that's the piece I think. Like I, my big thing with students is that for trio like this is what we're here for like i'm not going to go into everything you know Mm -hmm. that you can specifically do or ask follow-up question you know to ask you to share even more but it's it's like it's a car accident and an issue with a parent's taxes with the irs that impacts whether you graduate or not honestly yeah yeah which that's the piece where like for us and trio like we know that's the why our program covers academics finances personal you know cultural because it has nothing you know like that's that's a barrier that has nothing to do with intellectual capacity commitment work you know have you done everything everybody told you to do right yes you have (laughs) You know, and so I think that's the piece, too, is that when you, like, use what they say is, like, an unhealthy or an unproductive, not unhealthy, like, an unproductive coping skill. So you are dealing with a horrible amount of stress that you don't have control. You don't have control over the IRS. You don't have control over this other person's car. Mm -hmm. And you're not supposed to stay in bed. Right. (laughs) Right. Which is honestly what happened those other two semesters. Um, But yeah, like, and it's so hard. And I, that's why I'm interested in the research I'm interested in. Like, how do you move through a system like this? And then now you're in a, you're in a place like you're in college. And like, you know, some people feel like you don't even belong in there. And you're in an environment where you are uh, the minority. Um, And while you do have your, your social circles that, uh, you know, that's your family. It's like, how you, how do you like, <laughs> how do you make it? I don't even, <laughs> like, that's a lot. How do yeah. you make it every day? Constantly trying to tell yourself like, no, um, I know when I graduate, like, I will honestly cry for a week straight. Like I keep feeling like 
everything just keeps happening where I can't graduate. Like I should have been gone already. Like I don't, it's just so many things like, and now I feel like, and you get to a point where you like start to blame yourself. Like, wow, well, if you would just kept it together and like, even though like, like I wasn't suicidal and like really depressed, you know, mm-hmm. like, like I keep trying to act like I wasn't and that's why I withdrew, but like, right. Right. Well, I just kept it together. I've been gone already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing is, you know, depression, anxiety, et cetera. It's a chronic illness. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, it's having a hard semester. You're managing a chronic illness in an extremely stressful situation. Yeah. Where there was no like win win. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was lose. Okay. Lose a little bit less than. Honestly, it's just trade offs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm So I think that's the thing is you have, how do you do all of this managing a chronic illness? Right. Which you have done. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it didn't look pretty all the time. <laughs> it did not. But, yeah. Was- um, Like you said, there's kind of like always a risk for unproductive behaviors. I like how you say that. Um, mine was like tattoos and piercings, Um, you know. And not going to class. <laughs> um, and that's the thing is, like, you came onto campus and did things. Right. So it was like, but not going to class. And I think, like, it's like the nuances that maybe sometimes students, you know, it's like, well, you came onto campus. So why right. can't you go to class? Like, you're just, that's skipping class. It's like, no, there's nuances to, you know, like how you cope and what you can handle. Yeah. Because sometimes being on campus was like, a win in itself like mm-hmm. not making it to club like I, I at least wasn't in my bed you know what I'm saying yeah um just stuff like that I feel there are always like wins but the way people tend to see and like the majority sees it it's like well no like you still didn't do it so it's like mm-hmm. okay well if like if sometimes when other people can't recognize your wins it's like hard mm-hmm. for you to recognize your wins mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. definitely is that why you don't recognize the wins <laughs> <laughs> Can you recognize some wins for me? Um, what do you consider wins? I think honestly, wins for me are like I felt like I've won like this last couple of months, even though it's been really crappy. Um, with like me kind of detailing like the research questions that I have, like it's still really hard for me. Um, but I feel validated in my questions. Um, I do think it's something that really needs to be studied. And um, just knowing that I am valid in these questions and that I have a voice, um, finding that voice, using that voice, um, I'm definitely a different person than I was when I came in. Mm-hmm. Extremely different. Um, my coping is better. I I don't have as many, um, I wouldn't say like episodes, but, you know, my I don't have my lows as frequently which was something I was struggling with for like at least like a year and a half. Um, and I understand my triggers. It, it, I think those are all kind of wins. Yeah. Cause you can't stop it from happening. Right. But you can manage it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, or even knowing your triggers as to know to what to avoid or what to prepare for. Yeah. Knowing that you can't stop, you know, school from happening. <laughs> As much as I would like to. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just, yeah, college is stressful, period. Yeah, honestly. And really so it's is. like, what can you do to protect, your, you know, take care of yourself or protect yourself, knowing you're going into war? 
And I don't know. I mean, that's my own like fatalistic mindset. <laughs> where, but I don't know if I'm wrong in calling it. It's like you're going into it. You're battling. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I was just talking like, well, I wasn't talking to him, but I emailed the professor today and I was just like, I'm struggling in your class. Like, I, yeah, I'm doing I honestly feel like I'm struggling ex- like very, mm-hmm. very badly. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want it to be that case. And then it's also like weird. I was asking him, like, if we could meet up because I wanted to talk to him about it and like mm-hmm. see ways I could improve as a student. But it was just like, I kind of want to drop it, but it's like, this is the one class I need if I want to graduate. Like all of these classes are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> my degree is depending on all of these. Right. Right. But I will go back to where you say that you have to feel like overprepared. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is where, is that the thing is like, you're not as prepared as you want to be into class. And so you're freaking out because you're not actually over-prepared. Yeah, it's kind of like, so it's a... So you may not be doing as well as you want, but... Yeah, it's also hard. So it's a, it's like, there's only 10 of us in the class. And like, mm-hmm. the two people who sit next to me, of course, are like, two of the smartest people in the course. Like, in terms, How of, do you know in terms of the material. How do you know Material-wise. Because they're always like, oh, like, let's just make these connections. And I'm just sitting there like, all right. But (laughs) (laughs) everyone in the class is really intelligent, though. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that. Um, And so I feel like I don't make. So also, I think part of it is the way I learn. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm very aware of how I learn. And like, I'm struggling a lot with that class because it's not how I learn. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like. That's an important point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been really hard for me. And then I can't overprepare because it's it's not like it's... Like your preparation doesn't work. Yeah. Or isn't effective for this class. Yeah, because it's like, it, the course isn't even like, we have a textbook. Like, there's no... Yeah. It's, it's research articles. Right. And, like, coming up with questions from these research articles. Right. And, like, you know, like, it's hardcore research stuff, which I'm, a, like, I'm glad I'm doing it, but it's, like, it's hard for me because... The way I learn, it's like, it's going to take me at least, like, two days, maybe. If, like, this is all I was dedicating my time to, to really, like, read through the articles, like, understand everything and understand the field. Because the way I learn is that I have to understand different aspects of it and make connections. And so right. I can't do that. And, like, I also have other classes that are reading right. intensive. Like, I don't, I can't do it. Right. You can. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you feel. Yeah, I feel like I can. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, the can't is a is a feeling, which is a valid feeling. Yeah. I'm not but I'm just saying it's scary because I like yeah. I, I enjoy the class, but it's like I dread going now because I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. Like. I don't want to I want to drop it, but I don't like I would love to know that I've like made it through the course, but I'm just the fa- it's 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 hard with this, like dealing with the fact that I know that I have to over prepare like that's hard for me. Right. Yeah. So where does that over preparation come from? Um, does that go imposter in? syndrome? I was gonna. <laughs> great connection. Thank you for sharing. That. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Um. Yeah. So I feel, and that goes along with like me feeling invalidated in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of imposter syndrome, which my best friend, literally everything I ever say, she always says it's because you have imposter syndrome. <laughs> um. <laughs> Isn't she helpful? <laughs> Always. But it's mm-hmm. it's me feeling like I don't belong, so I have to kind of make up for the lack of intelligence and knowledge I have in whatever space that I'm in. 
but it's it's damaging like it in some ways it's helpful because then i'm always like at a level i feel like i should be at even though i i feel like i'm never am but i know like logically like mm-hmm. it, i am probably in a good place but um it's damaging because that's how i feel in all aspects of life like in all environments mm-hmm. i feel underprepared mm-hmm. and and you know it's not logical yeah like you know that feeling is not based yeah. upon reality <laughs> no but it's but it's still there factually i know it's not but it right. it's so hard for me to be like it's like i know it logically but it's hard for me to still yeah. believe that definitely like i'm still yeah. working on that and i think everybody can relate to that yeah yeah where the the feeling is stronger than the actual reality yeah or even 80 people telling you <laughs> you know that you're yeah. enough you know you know yeah you're doing enough you'll tell each of those 80 people that they're wrong i do do i do do that a lot i'm not gonna lie but (laughs) but i mean that's that's the piece of you know it's a real serious issue that impacts you know tons of people where it's you know you believe the feeling right more than you believe reality yeah, and that rumination, like, the rumination is, like, damaging. <laughs> like, that has real implications on how your brain actually processes stuff. And so, um, yeah, like, I know it's detrimental, and it's, but it's still so hard. And so when people are just like, well, just, like, don't do that, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> Not you, I mean, like, other people no, who, don't, I, who don't get the yeah. concept. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, like, why don't you go ask for help? And I'm just like, all right. Oh, cool. <laughs> right, right, right. Or why don't you? Well, for me, I mean, you know, in like, I'll take ownership of it. It's like, well, just pretend you're enough to pass this class, <laughs> which I do try to do. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which is probably inappropriate. I don't know, but like for me, which I know sometimes it's like you just have to pretend for two months. Yeah. Then, but that's the thing, though, is like once you get the degree, you're gonna cry for a week. <laughs> yeah. And then. It's going to keep it's not gonna go going, away. Yeah. right. It's like a split second where you're like, okay, like, I'm good. And then, like, mm-hmm. it all just comes flooding back. Like, you, mm-hmm. yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, they've done quite a bit of research on that. And I know they're one of the big topics is women, African-American women in STEM. Oh, yeah. And imposter syndrome. Yeah. Because what does the research say? Um, it's, it's alive and well. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I just think, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I feel like, like you said, a lot of people experience it, um, but understanding, like, what the implications of the fact that it is alive and well in African-American right. women in STEM, mm-hmm. um, because what that's- Or the extent of the damage. Right. Because not only is it detrimental to the person, it's also detrimental to the field, because now you're missing out on a whole- bunch of possible questions that could have been asked because you have a different viewpoint um that could have been used but because of right. this they're like some people like in in my case i feel like i have no voice so i'm not quote unquote speaking up i'm not like saying the things that i have the questions that i have i'm not asking yeah. these questions because i don't feel like they're valid i don't feel like i'm valid so in this class yeah you're but saying in, but in general like for women instead like oh, okay okay yeah because you were saying that you were out a little bit before you were saying that you did feel validated that your your yeah. own personal research questions yeah it, are valid it took people so, who look and think like me to understand that my question is in fact valid 
Um, right. Right. But I think this like this thing with the you had just mentioned is with, you know, it's it came from when people that looked like you said that you were it was valid. Yeah. And then I know when you met with um Dr. Catherine Eden, co author of Two Dollars a Day. Great book. You were yeah, and you were able to meet with her for a couple of hours. And um most of the like 90%, 80% of the research supervisors you've had have been women. Yeah, actually, well, yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> to be, I mean, when we talk about a lack of women in diversity in STEM fields, and here you, you know, you were able to have these um, female mentors. Right. And, um, you know, like what is just what was the impact of a gender of a mentor? Yeah, um, I, mean, I definitely think it's viewpoint and understanding things that you will also go through. Right. Um, I think one of the biggest things that is important in a mentor um, for me mm -hmm. is someone understanding what I'm going through. Um, even if that's not their personal experience, them having the um, the capability to understand that. Um, and so um, I've definitely had that with all of my mentors, mm -hmm. um, which I am so grateful for. Yeah. Well, it's just like, because I mean, that was even the thing I think when we were talking about when you, because um, with Dr. Eden, we had where it was like a 15 trio female yeah. students. Um, that was amazing. With her. Yeah. And that was one of her big things was how you know, women have to be out there, you know, leading right to make change. Yeah. Um, I'm but, taking a black feminist theory course, actually. And okay, yeah, yeah. that's like the, the constant message is like, these women have a viewpoint that people are sleeping on. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, their voices need to be heard. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Eden was amazing. Yeah, so what did you talk about with her? So I obviously lack a lot of policy knowledge, but the book was about um, understanding the different things that people have to do um, just to survive on barely two hours a day. Like, honestly, most of the people, the stories that were in the book, like, that was a struggle um, to get. And so um, it was kind of, it was an interesting way that the book was written. Like, it was narratives on... Um, like interviews that they did on but th so if i remember correctly like they wanted to have a a bigger like more funding to continue like continue something similar to this project because they didn't really end up having that many interviews mm -hmm. um and so they're like we want this to be large scale which i believe they got the funding to do which is what they will be doing next summer mm -hmm. with like 5000 participants i think mm -hmm. um but this book was basically about how people have to navigate through the system um to get the funds that they need to survive um but also how they don't meet certain requirements because it becomes this whole like cycle of things that you have to go through but then you can't keep a job maybe because of some other factor that has to deal with the li like the life that you're living like it's just so many things and understanding that it's not this like one-to-one -one, like relationship like there are other things that influence um how you are experiencing everything yeah and you know college financial aid is one of those systems yeah. that's no, you <laughs> yeah. know, different when you look at housing voucher systems and SNAP benefit systems yeah. and 
It's a lot of things. Yeah, so you have all these systems that have to do with finances. Yeah, it, it definitely touches on the fact that a lot of the policies that we see are um there it's kind of just like some person created this policy, some person like this whole like ivory tower idea. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. well, this logistically this would make sense, so we're going to do this policy. But then like once the policy is like actually implemented, there's like so many problems and she, what she does um brilliantly with that book is she she kind of yeah does this human interaction and like talks to these people and gets their story and then you start to see like how they're like common themes with all the stories and she basically like um at towards the end they're like solutions of things that could be done but then also you know at the end of the day like those are still things that need to be worked on because we just don't know enough and so that's what the they wanted the more the, like more funding to like do this on a larger scale and see like before and after once like some policy changes were made, um, which I think is an amazing idea. Um, and yeah, and understanding this like fluidity of experiences, it's not just like, um, because also, so one of the biggest things that stuck with me is like, and something that you've mentioned too, is this idea of like um, homelessness and like understanding it doesn't just look one way. Um, it looks like many different things <laughs> and like kind of applying that um, perspective to other things in life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I definitely mm-hmm. highly recommend that book. Mm-hmm. Now, what did what was your conversation like with her? Oh, Because my it ended with her yeah. asking you to apply for a job. <laughs> yeah, so it was Which, again, amazing. doesn't happen <laughs> to many people. <laughs> yeah, so she, she kind of... And it was nice. She went around the room and, like, asked everyone what they were interested in. And this, she also touched on something which was, like, really amazing because it's also something I'm really interested in studying. It's how people, um, kind of, like, the cognitive processes people go through and how they view the world and how they, like, make connections um, based off of the experiences that they had. So, like, everyone at the table, um, all these amazing women, um, were all, like, majoring in something with, like, a minor or a double major that was, like, like atypical like things and it was amazing and i loved it um and understanding like the way people think because we all have like we were all in similar situations which is why she ended up meeting with us um but understanding how like we create these types of um these perspectives and like we view the world through a lens that's different from what's uh quote-unquote normal because that's how we that's what we've experienced. So like these connections just make sense. Like, and I think that was amazing. Um, and then later I did talk to her and she was like, yeah, I'd really love to see your application for this, uh, this post back, which I, which I am applying to. Um, <laughs> you saw, you found the application. Yeah. I also sent her an email and just thanked her for coming. Um, but honestly, I, that was one of the best interactions. Um, what about it though? I think it's just that she's very easy to talk to. Um, she's knowledgeable of the field, and it's like understanding that it's like I said, it's not this. She doesn't have this whole like ivory tower mindset, and so she's very like like let's talk to the people, let's understand the problems. Like we don't know, <laughs> like we have an idea of what the problems are, but like okay, let's actually figure out what these problems are. What are things we can change? Um, well, it's understanding who the expert is. Exactly, the yeah. expert is a person living it right yeah which is the problem you see a lot is people not thinking they are the experts and they're not and what did the benefit was it do you think to hear all of the other women's stories oh yeah um i'm so glad we did that i 
because also then again it, it also goes back to the like their things can look different ways like we we all had similar stories but it was like we all had like kind of like different versions of it which mm-hmm. i liked mm-hmm. um and like understanding that community because it also we all i think we all were a lot more comfortable with each other after we started to hear everybody else's stories because like we would, be, we would all be like nodding crying like because we understood and we've mm-hmm. like been through things similar you know mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like the power of a common experience. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. how does somebody validate your experience? Um, yeah. I think for me, it's been um, asking me the right questions, not yeah. doubting things that I've said. Um, yeah. And sort of like not interjecting. It's kind of like letting my experience be my own. Um but also like knowing how that fits into other, I don't even know if that makes sense, like, but how that fits into other things and not kind of like other people creating their own image of what my experience is uh-huh. um, and create their uh-huh. own version of what my experience is. Uh, right. So the best way I can think about this is when I took culture, cultural anthropology. Um, that was the point where I, that was my first semester. And that was a point where the, the idea of there is no like, one culture that's like this is the culture like <laughs> <laughs> like it, even if different. They, even if you, they tell you that right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like there are different ways like a community and a society could look um and like not trying to view it like one way um right um like you can think of it in terms of how you view your uh your community and your society but it isn't like not no judgments on it like it's just a different way to see it it's not mm-hmm well okay well they're savage like <laughs> like that's not that's invalid like don't do mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um and i think that's important right right yeah because it's um again it goes back to like what you don't know right and so when you try to think like oh i know you know exactly what this means yeah or that there's one solution i mean so it's like Honestly, you're, you know, yeah. you've been talking a lot and there is no one solution. I'm sitting here and there's nothing I can say, Joelle, do this. <laughs> you know, you call yeah. this person. Yeah. There isn't. You know, it's going to be, you know, we're going to leave here and continue the fight <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. get you the money and the confidence and, you know, the time and the um, strength, you know, to finish out the next two months. Oh, please. And thank you. <laughs> but, I, you know, it's... Like, for anybody to think, you know, it's, well, it's one of those, you know, the person's wrong when they start a sentence. Well, if you only. Yep. If you just. (laughs) Why didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I do, like, going back to, like, of understanding what homelessness looks like. I know that was a path for you, too. Yeah. Because you had in your fixed mindset, like, I'm fine. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if I had to, how many times I had to tell you you weren't fine, which I don't know if that was appropriate. <laughs> I, I think could have, it was helpful because like, I mean, it's yeah. kind of like a, honestly, that's a coping mechanism. Like people, like you kind of have to like, people have to like rationalize, like just so that they don't, for me personally, I think I just do it because it's like, I can't acknowledging that it's a problem is like, okay, well now I have to tackle this other problem. Um, and so but no, you're about to do that because I'm like, I was struggling. I needed help. That's like most likely I subconsciously came to your office. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you knew it's, what, it's I what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
but yeah yeah so so like with the homelessness piece it wasn't until what was it a year ago that you realized yeah because i didn't know what it could look like you Mm -hmm. know bouncing around like Mm -hmm. um kind of just like not really having a place right so what's your homeless story um well i guess i can talk about it in college sort of but um I I think a situation where I was like honestly honestly like I didn't have a place to live was while I was re- um, interning at Hopkins, um, so I had had like there was problems with one of the places that I was living at, and so um, in I, Raleigh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had left my to go to my internship, and um, like a month or two before. Which actually, I just realized I withdrew that semester, the semester right before the internship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of already going through a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff. And like getting up was still hard. And um, so my search for a place like kind of wasn't the best because this is like a couple months before I'm actually leaving to go to Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Hopkins and my lease is over and I'm still trying to find a place, but I don't have money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. And then there's also other problems. Like I, I didn't have a cosign. I didn't have all these things. So I'm like trying to apply to places while also trying to prove that I'm making enough, which I wasn't because you have to prove like three and a, like three times as much what the rent is mm-hmm. because I didn't have a cosign. I had to do that, but I mm-hmm. wasn't really making that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was hard to prove. And then like, I'm like, but I'm also trying to pay for applications to places to even prove that in the first place with money that I didn't have. Um, and so it was kind of just like, I'm like doing some amazing research with an amazing PI and an amazing program, um, like top of the top schools. And, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like I'm living in a dorm, right? Like I'm living in a dorm cause we all had to live in the dorm, but I know as soon as I get back, I have nowhere to live. Like, I don't know how I'm going to even go about the next semester. Like I couldn't even, uh, like, I couldn't even like live on campus, which was like my last resort. Because I had just come back from withdrawing that semester and I knew my my brain could not handle, like mentally I could not handle being full-time, but campus only allows you to live on campus if you're full-time. So then I'm like trying to struggle with, okay, well, do I have to go full-time and kind of try and push and make it through knowing I'm probably going to have to withdraw again just so I have a place to live. Like it was a lot of things. Because um, yeah, my, did, my dad only lived like two hours away. So I was like, okay well like like it was just a lot like a lot of things and i'm still doing like trying to deal with this while still in this internship program um and then i lucked out and i had these amazing roommates and they you're an amazing friend (laughs) so you're an amazing person (laughs) kind people are attracted to you go ahead and they had ended up signing a lease and they needed a roommate and i didn't have to provide uh like i had a, i needed a proof of income which i had like it's not like i didn't have a job you know mm-hmm. um but because of that like i didn't have to like have a cosign and make a certain amount because like they had already gone through that process so i was just added onto the lease and then it's been a year and i resigned a lease with them so i'm living with them now Good. and they are amazing and i love them so much <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but i think that's the other thing too is and i you know, people get sick of me ranting and raving about <laughs> why, you know, our students are better than everybody else's students. <laughs> it's because here you are, you're doing, you're completing research at the number one public health school in the country while 
dealing with all this stuff? Like, what if you had that, like, mental and physical and spiritual energy freed up? Right. To devote towards what you're doing? What if you didn't, um, the thought of, like, where you're going to be, like, where you're going to, where you're going to, how you're going to eat, how you're going to take care of your health, where you're going to live, how you have to manage your academic schedule so you can, you know, graduate. Yeah. Like, what if you didn't have to worry about that? Right. Like, what if you didn't have to worry? (laughs) That'd be nice. I feel like it would, oh my gosh. I just feel like every semester has been like, not even every, like every minute has just been like, there's some really big problem that I'm like trying to figure out and I just can't. It's like always trying to deal with something. Um, but to not have that, I can't imagine not having that one. But <laughs> if if I did not have that, that would be amazing. Like to just be able to breathe <laughs> for a second mm-hmm. um, would be nice. That's why I get offended sometimes with all of the different memes or jokes that they make about not having, you know, enough money or oh, food. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's different. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, it's not funny. Right. And it's like, and it's so weird, too, because it's like, I'm privileged in the situation. Like, even though it's still kind of a crappy situation, like, mm-hmm. I'm still privileged because I'm doing better than a lot of other people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this way I look at it is like, resources. Right. So you have access to tons of, like, you're at a top institution where you have access to, you know, physical resources, intellectual, you know, resources. You have people. Um, you have a safe, it's, you know, a relatively safe space. <laughs> clean air, clean water. Yeah. Um, you know, heat, et cetera, you know, kind of caring people, caring friends, mm-hmm. but then you don't, the resource of um, finances or the resource of um, health care. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's been an experience. <laughs> I'll say that much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what do you want to, like, what do you want people to know? Like, what do you think the kind of people should learn from your experiences? Um, that your experience is valid. Um, and that, you know, find your voice. Um, so, and I know we've talked about this a lot, but for me, it's my voice is in research. Um, I might not have the most refined research question, but I think the concepts in which I'm like trying to develop these questions are valid. And I think um, for me, that's like, kind of my outlet but that that can be just finding your outlet and finding where you feel like your voice is the strongest and like you know using that and doing that um I just think everyone should find that for themselves and it can be more than one thing mm-hmm. you know it can be any like it can be anything mm-hmm. um not just research although I am a huge advocate for research and I feel like everyone should you know mm-hmm. if you can try it at least once um because it might turn out different than you think and you know you could be the next pioneer in some of the greatest questions that have ever been asked, you know? Right. And how do they um, set new goals, almost like new definitions? Because I know that you didn't come into NC State thinking this is, you didn't expect all of this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, be open. Yeah. Um, know that everything changes. Because um, that fixed mindset isn't helpful. It's not. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, like... 
it's not if you apply it in everything. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like in some ways you, you it could mm-hmm. be helpful, but I mean, yeah. honestly, like, I just feel like you more things are like like you're. I feel like you're given more opportunities if you're open um, to a lot of different things, and so um, just knowing that. I mean, in some cases, some people are lucky and everything goes exactly the way that they wanted it to go. Um, But for the rest of us, (laughs) you know, being open to those other things that might happen and knowing that not all of them will be good. But, you know, kind of I wouldn't change anything that I've went through, Mm -hmm. even though they were all like not all of them were the best, um, because I also don't think I would have come up with the questions that I've had and I wouldn't have. My ex- like my path wouldn't have been the same without those experiences. And I know it's so cliche to say this, but it's like, you know, I wouldn't really change anything. Um, but I'm always like learning from other experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hoping we can change systematically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of things <laughs> so that, you know, that would have prevented that is some of your like experiences. To change, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's I think it's like. You don't know what you're capable of until you're in the middle of it. Right, right. But you are capable. Like, you will come out the other side. So, yeah. Rely on your friends. Yes, definitely rely on your friends. Listen to Jamal Moss. (laughs) (laughs) Always listen to Jamal. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's the thing is going to different events and listening to people. And when you see and hear someone that you like, I want to be you. Yeah. You go talk to them. <laughs> right? Yeah. Jamal, I really do want to be you. Um, <laughs> you're amazing. <laughs> um, and yeah, definitely go to things you didn't think you'd go to. Um, you never know. I almost didn't go to that event. And I'm so glad I did because I met Jamal mm-hmm. and I applied to the research program and I got in. Um, and so you just you honestly never know right. you just have to show up sometimes. yeah honestly yeah just show up listen because they didn't cost me um, anything to go to that mm-hmm. and they had dinner so yeah it was a win-win <laughs> yeah 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 that that free food led to a uh whole career <laughs> yeah hopefully um, well thanks so much joelle Oh, thank you. We will talk more and we'll <laughs> hopefully have an update on her financial aid situation and we will talk about when you what you're gonna do post graduation. Yeah. All the jobs that you'll be accepted. <laughs> hopefully. To and when you take your GRE. Oh my gosh, yes. If this waiver works out. Yes, it will. It will. <laughs> There's no question about that. TRIO's Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about Student Support Services at NC State.